Can I invite the, our first two speakers up to take a seat in this awkward-looking coffee area? This is the strangest little kind of faux chat show set up ever. But there's no coffee. There's no coffee. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. I, I, not an MC that doesn't do any rap and a host that doesn't provide coffee. I'm failing uh, in so every possible way. Uh, sorry about that. Um, so, um, so we do have some questions that have come in on Twitter. Uh, so many, in fact, that we're actually trending in the Netherlands on Twitter, which is nice. Uh, so, yeah, go Frontiers, uh, right behind 1st of April. Uh, so, thankfully, they haven't. I was expecting like a littering of April Fools, so I don't know, unless all of what you've said was a surprise, it was, I was kidding, uh, then uh, that's kind of nice for that to be absent. Um, Bram, can I start with you just kind of, um, just because of what you've just been saying there about choosing fullback fonts. Um, I, so I think there's, there's an art in itself in choosing the right fullback font so that you don't get such a big disruptive flash of, uh, so faft is a new one for me, flash of fullback text or, yes. you know, I kind of think of flash of unstyled to, uh, text. Um, are there good ways of choosing the right fullback font so that you don't get your layout Juddering and, and, and reflowing too aggressively? Yeah. Uh, so, what you should look for is a font that has a matching X height. Mm -hmm. So, the X height is the height of the X in a font. Mm -hmm. And if the X height of your fallback font matches or roughly matches the height of your fallback font, mm -hmm. then the flash won't be that disruptive. Okay. Uh, there's also uh, a CSS property called font size adjust. Okay. Uh, which you can use to kind of scale your fallback fonts or your web fonts to some other font. Uh, but the browser support for that is really bad. Okay. So, yeah. so and in terms of finding font faces that have a similar X height, are there, are there tips of ways to do that? I mean, uh, without wanting to turn it into a Typekit sales pitch, are there ways on, uh, on Typekit to identify that? Or is that something that you, you do through a bit of trial and error and a bit of uh, testing out your fonts? It's visually? mostly trial and error. Okay. Um, what I usually do is I create a page where I just have a couple of characters and overlay them, and then try to make sure that the X height matches, and then you can pretty quickly see what uh, is similar. Fair enough. And kind of on this subject of uh, uh, page layouts changing as things load, uh, Paul, you were talking about um, kind of static layouts and uh, and and having a known structure on the on, on the page so that as things load and reflow, you don't get things reflowing very quickly. Feels like that's something that's been around for a while, right? Knowing uh, or or describing the size of the asset so that you don't get things like janking around as you move. Has that got much harder now with responsive web design and having a bit more of a, a squishy viewport or a, a, like an unknown state? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we so in in the AMP framework, we um, and AMP library, we uh, we had to implement our own responsive uh, image tag in order to <laughs> to work around the issues that we would have, and right. so the entire um, pipeline has changed. Um, right. So I think it would be extremely difficult to do in a normal environment. And, and fonts is actually an, uh, an example where we're still not great uh, within AMP because that's the one exception that could still change the layout. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I don't have a perfect solution yet. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really a tricky one. I think um, ensuring that when your assets load in that things don't move around, especially if, it's, if, if they're loading in you know, later, yeah. that's kind of a tough one. And you know, I think a, f a few of the talks kind of uh, touched on the theme of like, fading content in, whether or not that's uh, hiding content and then loading it in when your assets are there, or if it's there for building anticipation or, you know, for, for any other reason. It, it feels like that, 
that is, um, we're adding some complexity there to make that happen. Is, is that a risk? Is that something that we can do uh, as a progressive enhancement, do you think? I think so. I think it's inherently pro progressive. So the navigation transitions that I talked about, I mean, if they're not available, then um, it will be like before. Right. <laughs> um, so I think it's, it's very progressive. Okay. And progressive enhancement is, a, is you know, a phrase that's come up quite a few times in the questions that have been, been coming through. Uh, Tobias, the, um, uh, there's some questions around uh, providing animations as a prog progressive enhancement. Do you think, first of all, do you think that's practical to do? And also, do you think that's, that's wise to do? Because I know that uh, like some animations serve a particular function, serve a particular purpose, and they're not necessarily enhancements. Would, would you agree with that? Or do you think that there are a, a class of animations which you can say, OK, this is, this is an enhancement. It's not, it's not core. And if it's missing, it's not a, not a problem. Right, there's a lot of a lot of questions in the in that <laughs> yeah, statement. Uh, yes, of course you should and and can detect if animations can work. But I think yes, if if so, let's let's talk about a modal, for example. If you show a modal, yeah, right. So uh, if you're doing that without animations, that's absolutely fine, right? You're not really losing anything. It's not core of the thing, but you can add so much value with that if you show where is the modal coming from, what is triggering the modal, tell yeah. a story about that modal. So in that case, it makes total sense to actually look for support and, and uh, n not do that actually, because uh, you're fine anyway, right? Okay. Um, so just then skipping to animations is absolutely fine. What you have to do though is like a lot of the things that I showed, relies on um, like 3D transforms to work. Right, so you're drawing a border by, by using scale and things like this. So uh, if it doesn't support, the button doesn't support that, then you're screwed. Right. Yes. So then you have to fall back. But, and, and do you think there are ways that you can fall back where you fall back to a, a simpler form of animation? Or is it purely, okay, sort of, right, we'll either animate or not? Because cause you, you touched on, like, you had quite a few tips on the kind of properties that are optimal to animate yeah. and some to be avoided. Mm -hmm. um, is it sensible to step down from one to the other depending on support or is it, is it safer to say, you know, if I'm not going to have to get the optimum? I wouldn't do it uh, just because it's time consuming, but it depends on the value of your product. If right. you have a small product and the animations are key, then of course maybe you can uh, fall back to a jQuery or, or any sort of right, uh, right. polyfill, but um, I'd, I'd rather not do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, th I think a, a kind of a theme that's come up from a few of these talks is um, the nature of the like the design of these animations and the way that we design uh, the the typography on the on on a site. Um, where do you guys think that the best place for that design is to happen? Because particularly, I'm thinking about animations where um, the kind of animations we're looking at here really you understand what they can do best by experiencing them in the browser and kind of designing them in the browser. And often that's not the case on a project. You'll get a design that, that has animation as part of it or that's expressed through user experience design or through visual design. Where do you all feel that those, those animations are best specified and expressed so that you know, clients can see, see those ahead of time and sign those off and that kind of thing? In the browser? In the browser. Yeah. I mean, we don't really have good design tools to show all the, the range of possibilities that you could get on yeah. the web. I mean, you could uh, come across a browser with no JavaScript support. You could come across a browser with no web font support. You could come across a browser with no animation support. Yeah. And that's like this huge three-dimensional matrix of possibilities 
And so the only way to do it is in the browser. I think that's particularly true of typography, right? Yeah. Where the, the, the font rendering can be so different. Right? Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. In general, I, 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 when I um, meet students that are trying to, coming from a design perspective and trying to explore animations, I always advise them to try out Framer, right? which is basically a browser, right? But it's still, right. it's built for those who are trying to sort of lean in both the development camp and the design camp. And it's a really good tool to like, still get the authentic feel of browser animations, but it's a very versatile tool and helps you along the way to get to a good end result. Got you. Okay. Um, and when it comes to frame rates, I mean, we were talking about uh, uh, so, like pursuing that 60 frames per second. How important is that really? I mean, I think uh, you had some, uh, some, you both actually had examples of different frame rates there. Um, and of course, that's, that's the goal. And we're seeing that as like the, the best possible output. How much, how much energy should we impart on that? And how, and how good is good enough, I guess, is the question. Hmm. Uh, Okay, so I think it's super important to, to hit the 60 FPS, but even more important than that is, is having a stable frame rate and having a frame rate that syncs with the refresh rate of the display. Mm -hmm. Because almost every consumer display out there, every cell phone is clocked at 60 hertz, mm -hmm. which means that if, if your frame rate is 40 FPS, <laughs> then it will always look like crap. Right, right. So uh, it's either 60 or 30. and uh, Interesting story here is that um, with, with uh, Firefox OS, um, the very early builds uh, had, had uh, uh, frame rate issues. And, uh, and one of the, 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 the one app that, that looked spectacular on the phone was Angry Birds. Because <laughs> game developers naturally know how to, how to cap the frame rate to a certain display refresh rate. And so Angry Birds was clocked at 30 hertz, right. whereas uh, the OS was running between 40 and 50, and that made all the difference. Yeah. So I think that's even more important. So if you can't hit 60, try to hit 30. And you've been, I mean, I know you've been doing a lot of work on the, the, the dev tools in Chrome, and mm -hmm. that's getting richer for at the, learning about animations and like supporting animations. Is there, is, are there particular things that um, are arriving soon or that have just landed that, that are making that easier to try and help people like, hit, those, hit those frame rates? Uh, to hit the frame rates, I mean, we're do, always doing uh, improvements on the timeline panel. Uh, it's yeah. actually, um, it's quite of a pro tool still, I would say. It's still quite hard a to get into A broad tool, did you say? Pro, pro tool. Yeah, oh, pro tool, yeah. Um, so it's still quite hard to get into it. Um, I, I hope we can make that easier in the future. I would like to have some more high-level um, ideas of, hey, um, did you know that you could squeeze out 500 milliseconds by optimizing this on your load time or something, right? Yeah. And with animation, same, same thing. Right now, it's still quite difficult to dig in. Um, I don't have any announcements to make, but... No, that's uh, fine. I wasn't trying to tease something out <laughs> yeah, of you. Yeah. Um, I'm, just th oh, yeah, I'm thinking about the tools that have, have landed recently, yeah. so yeah. But I, I would love to, have any f love to hear any feedback on the animation inspector. And we, ju we just launched uh, in an extended version in Stable, in Chrome Stable. And uh, yeah, I would love to hear more if anyone is experiencing it. Cool. Okay, great. Um, so I, I have. Uh, so I'm sorry to do this to you. I, I, I was always nervous about uh, outsourcing my the hosting of my fonts, um, and I know that so, so Typekit particularly is a is a, a product that's really widely used now and doesn't seem to be going away. Right. Um, the first uh, product that I used that was similar to that was FontDeck, uh, and I remember when it arrived, I was kind of nervous about you know, providing all of these assets from a, a third party. Is that, is that a, 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 
a realistic concern? Is that a fair concern or is that kind of a solved problem now and you know, we, we shouldn't really worry about using a service like this that's going to be providing the, yeah. the, the, the access to those resources? Yeah, it's a really great question and I think I'm going to answer with a very lame response. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> um, Fair enough. For example, if you're like a really huge company and you have your own house style that includes your own fonts, then by all means, host them yourself. Mm -hmm. um, if you're a web design agency and you develop for many clients with many different types of fonts, then like something like Typekit or fonts.com is a very attractive option. Mm -hmm. um, as for reliability, um, we try to keep our service up as much as possible. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think if you handle your web font loading correctly, then it should also be acceptable that they do not load at some point, even though that's not what we want. But Right. Um, so there should be, they're an enhancement, like I said in my talk. Yeah, and I, I guess the kind of um, uh, fallbacks that you've been describing, or the, you know, the, 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 the loading state, should mean that if there ever is a disruption, exactly. it's, yeah. it's tiny and the disruption is minimized, yeah. right? Um, Paul, Paul's not a fan of that last question. Oh, I thought that was you running out. I saw you. Uh, I'm, I'm having a little nosebleed. I'm going to be. Oh, are you in okay? The, the All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm okay. No worries. Um, okay, cool. So all of the questions that I was uh, lining up for Paul, that's fine. We can we can have him come, uh, grab him later on, but that's that's not a problem. Um, uh, so uh, so one of the things that I'm curious about as well is is like optimizing in the right place. No, and uh, you, uh, I mean the. I think it's fairly plain uh, when it comes to to the kind of things we've been talking about fonts, where uh, having a sensible fallback and then progressively uh, enhancing that that makes perfect sense. When it comes to animations, that's that's hard. I think trying to understand exactly what the right things are to optimize and what the right things are to are to target. Um, other than frame rate and, uh, and refresh rate, are there particular um, uh, traps that people fall into in terms of obsessing over certain kinds of animations or or um, addressing the wrong thing? I think that the most common mistake is still not like keeping to the best practices. Like uh, something that I think is intuitively also very easy, like an easy trap to fall into, is to have a progress bar and map the width in percentages to the progress. Yeah. Like, that makes total sense. I have 50% progress and it's 50% width. And um, I just see tons of those mistakes. And like a progress bar then slowly ticking forward and triggering constantly relayouts. And I think um, really what you should focus on is just keeping to the best practices. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sort of a lame answer, but yeah. No, no, I think that's completely fair. I mean, uh, so actually one of the questions that's been coming in quite a lot, lot of people are, seeing the information that's in these slides and want to know if they can get access to the slides. Are you guys all going to be sharing slides later on? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, I'm yes, possibly. <laughs> I'm probably going to uh, share a summary, uh, okay. some sort of outline, because uh, so I used, to sharing, I used to share all my slides, but slides are sometimes pretty useless without notes. <laughs> so I'm trying to prepare it a little bit further and, and add some more outline to it, yeah, fair but enough. I'm going to release something. Yeah. And the other thing to mention, of course, is that all of the talks are being videoed and the videos are going to be available online uh, later on, so um, so you can get access to that content there. Um, there's a, a big pool of, uh, a, a big resource that you've been working on, uh, stateofwebtype.com. Um, so, because so, one of the things that I was, was instantly on my list is, okay, these practices are changing all the time. It seems like as soon as I understand how to do typography on the web, the, the state of play changes and it's kind of evolving. Um, 
is that kind of a good resource for finding out about support for, for these different things that you've been talking about? Or is there another kind of canonical resource that you'd recommend? Um, well, of course, canius.com, sure. uh, which I guess everybody knows. Um, <laughs> but if you want to particularly focus on typography, then the state of web type, which I run, uh, is a good place to go. Yeah. Excellent. OK, so I think we're, we're just about out of time. So uh, I'd just uh, like to thank again uh, all our speakers for, the, for, the first, uh, for our first section. So thanks again to, to Tobias, to Paul, and to Bram. Give them a big hand. <laughs> thanks, guys.